That was pretty weak. I said, who's ready for the word this morning? Amen and amen. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30 this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 30. I encourage you, don't leave today. We have a few baptisms that we are going to do uh, at the very end during the altar. You don't want to miss that. Our kids will be coming up and joining us for that. And as soon as that is over, the kids will be going back downstairs. So if you have a child, you will pick that child up like you normally do downstairs. 1 Samuel chapter 30 this morning. It says, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. On the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there. From small to great, they did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive, an entire generation. Then David said, then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no power to weep. And David's two wives, I'm going to call them A and J because I don't want to mess up their names. You don't want to mess up a woman's name. And Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Verse 7, David said to Abathar the priest, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue. For you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover it all. Somebody say all. Go to verse 16. And when he had brought him down, there they were spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except for the 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives I would have left one of them behind I'm sorry David Ooh, David touch David Ooh. and nothing of theirs was lacking either small or great sons or daughters spoil or anything which they had taken from them David recovered what? All. Then David took all the flocks and herds that they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. Come on, tell your neighbor this morning. Say, neighbor, today I'm in recovery mode. Come on, tell your neighbor. Neighbor, help him preach this morning because I'm in recovery mode. 
Say, neighbor, this may be a church to you, but today, this is my recovery room. Because today, I'm getting back everything that the enemy has stolen from me and my family. This may be a church service to you, but this morning I just feel like I'm in the middle of a recovery room this morning. Everything that the devil has stolen, I'm recovering it all. I don't just want to get back to where I was. I want to go places I've never been. I want to touch things I've never touched. I want to have some things I never thought I could have. Anybody ready to get into the enemy? camp this morning and take back and recover it all. Come on, if that's you right now, raise up your hands. Lord, this morning it is a recovery room season. We've been through the surgery. We've been through the fights. We got bruises and scars. But this morning, this church is turning into a recovery Room, And I declare that we are going to recover it all. This morning we are walking into the enemy's camp boldly and declaring, get your hands off of my stuff. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, put your hands together this morning. As we get into the word this morning, the scripture begins with a war. And as we read, we discover that the Amalekites surprised the city in a moment when the guards were down. It's important to understand what I'm about to say this morning. Because if you don't get this, you will live the rest of your life questioning and doubting the God that you have faith in. Because whenever you get saved, you not only get peace, but you also get war. When you got saved, you not only got the prince of peace, but you also got the prince of the power of the air. You not only got a divine protection from heaven, but when you got saved, you also got a large target on your backside. And in this chapter, we find one of God's favorites, David, if you will, God's anointed one, David, the man after God's own heart. David is in the middle of one of the most trying seasons of his recorded life. See, this is proof that you can still be one of God's favorites and you still have to go through hell every once in a while. You can be chosen from God and you will still have to walk through some hard seasons. David and his men, they were away when the Amalekites came into their space and stole their possessions. They walked in and they stole his family. They stole their children. They stole their sons and their daughters. In other words, they stole their legacy. I don't know if you know this or 
or not. So let me remind you of it this morning. The devil not only wants your possessions, but he wants your family and your children. The devil wants your bloodline. The devil wants to destroy your legacy. Do you know that this morning? And here they are in a place called Ziklag. Ziklag comes from a Hebrew root word that means to mentally press someone or something to reveal what is the real thing on the inside of them. Does this sound familiar? Can anybody testify and identify just a little bit with our brother David here where you have been in a place of Ziklag and you felt the mental strain? You felt the pressing, you felt the pressure, and you would wonder how you are going to come out of this thing alive. How am I going to come out of this thing in my right mind? And here the unguarded city gave way to attack. It gave way to war. It gave way to the pressing that was about to reveal what was really inside of David and his people. Let me remind you, Anything that you leave unguarded, the enemy will come after. Anything that you let your guard down on, the enemy will come after. If you don't watch it and you let your guard down on your joy, he will come after your joy. He will come after your peace. He will come after your mind. He is looking for a door in your life that is unguarded so he can get inside of you. First Thessalonians five six says so be on guard not asleep like the other people stay alert and be clear headed if it's not guarded guess what it is like an invitation to the enemy that's why you've got to guard your life you've got to guard your family you've got to guard your faith you've got to guard your mind Proverbs 4 23 says to guard your heart if if you are married or you're single, you've got to guard your virtue. You've got to guard your children. Even if they're out of the house, somebody, even if they are adults, how many of you know, mom and dad, you still got to guard your children because I don't know about you. I'm not going to allow somebody to walk into my house and take my possessions. If you walk into my house and take my stuff, if you walk into my house and mess with my kids I'm going to pray for you right after I shoot you in the head because you don't mess with my legacy you don't mess with my children you don't mess with the promises that God has given me and the enemy watched as David left his possessions the enemy watched as David was just about the father's business, doing what he thought he should be doing. And, then, and, and they left the, the entire camp unguarded. And the enemy watched as David left his family without attention. The word says that the enemy came into the place that David thought was safe. The enemy slid into a place that David felt was indestructible. The enemy came into the place and took possession 
of what David had worked for. He took possession of what David thought he could never lose. The enemy carried his legacy back into his own camp, into the enemy's territory. And they became as slaves. They became people that were held in great captivity. And the Bible says that they wept, David and his men wept until they had no more power to weep. Mm. Can we just be real this morning? Can we just be transparent today? It doesn't matter how saved you are. It doesn't matter how long you've known Jesus Christ. There will be seasons of tears. Can anybody testify? There will be seasons when it feels like all you can do is weep over that which is lost. There will be moments when you question if your broken heart will ever be mended again. And here is David, one of the most mightiest men of his time. And the Bible says that David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Here is mighty David. David is a warrior, but how many of you know there are some times where even warriors need to weep every once in a while. There are some seasons when you don't have the words. All you have are tears. Anybody ever been there? David said in Psalms 42, 3, my tears have been my food both day and night. And while they say to me all day long, where is your God? How many of you know sometimes we go to work? Sometimes we go to school. Sometimes we are walking through the stores. Sometimes... We even go to church like this morning and people don't know what we are really going through. They don't understand the season of tears that we have been in. No one knows just how intense the attack has been. But I want to remind Legacy Church today that weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. I may be in tears right now, but I'm going to get my joy back can anybody testify there have been times when you know you look good but things weren't going good there were times you knew those new pants were hot but you didn't feel so hot There were times when you thought you looked like you had it all together. But on the inside, you were a wreck. There were times when everybody thought you had it all together. 
but you had a facade on because really you were actually falling apart. But let me remind you this morning that the most important thing is not what you live in. It is not what you wear. It is not what you drive. But you need to let the devil know this morning that I'm going to fight for my family. I'm going to weep for my family. You need to tell the devil my family will be restored. My kids will know the Lord. My spouse will be saved. Who in the house knows this morning that there are those times when you weep so much it's as if you run out of tears. No more tears. Verse 6 says that David was in great distress and while he's crying himself it appears to death. Verse 6 says the people spoke of stoning him. Have you ever been in a season when you knew it wasn't going good? You knew it was of great distress. But then to make matters worse, on top of your distress, on top of the season that you were in, there was somebody that wanted to stone you. Isn't that just like so many people in the world today? They will kick you when you are down. They will add insult to your injury. And here the very people that David had helped, here the very people that David had stood by their side, the very people that he had led, the very people that he had loved, the very people that he had shepherded all around them, they were now turning on him. Let me remind you that this world is not for you, so we have to be for one another. I said, let me remind you, if you are of the body of Christ, this world is not for you. That's why we have to be for one another. Because how many of you know it's one thing if the enemy rises up against you, but it's a whole nother level when a brother or sister, somebody you love, rises up against you. Because when the people that should have your back all of a sudden stab you in the back, and we are living in a day like none other when the enemy is not only sowing discord out in the world but he is sowing more discord inside of the church and so often we forget that we are not rivals but we are to be a river we are on the same team and in the middle of everything that's going on in the world today stay unified in the middle of political division church we're going to stay unified in the middle of the war around us we're going to stay unified in the middle of turmoil legacy church will stay unified because the devil knows that a house divided is an unguarded house and Matthew 12 25 says every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself what will not stand look at your neighbor and tell them I need you and you need me that was pretty weak. Look at your other neighbor. You're like, I don't even want this person. I understand I've been by some of those people. So look at somebody else and say, I need you and you need me. Come on, tell your other neighbor, I've got you. I've, 
Come on, tell your neighbor, I've got you. Come on, tell somebody else, turn around, say, I've got you. Come on, look up there in the media booth, say, I've got you up there. You may be down, but I've got you. You may be out, but I've got you. You may be low, but I've got you. You may be high, but I've got you. Come on, tell somebody, I've got you. Come on, tell somebody, I've got you. I feel like a chain is breaking because somebody is realizing somebody's got my back. I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. Come on, tell your neighbor, I've got you. Touch somebody and say, I've got your back. I've got you. Verse 6 says that during David's distress, when everybody was turning their back on him, the word says, David encouraged himself. That'll change your life when you realize how to encourage yourself. Because how many of you know there are some times whenever you need a little encouragement, but you turn around trying to find somebody to encourage you, and all you find is people to discourage you. Anybody ever been there? Sometimes you've got to encourage yourself, but sometimes you've got to tell yourself you're going to make it. There are some seasons of life where you've got to learn, I'm going to lay hands on myself in the morning. Sometimes you've got to be your own altar worker and catch yourself in the spirit. You've got to encourage yourself because sometimes people won't do it for you. Sometimes you got to tell yourself, I'm going to make it. Sometimes you got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, Chase, no weapon formed against you today is going to prosper. You got to remind yourself, today you're going to be the head and not the tail. Today you're going to be above, you're not going beneath. Sometimes you got to tell yourself, Psalm 37, verse 18 and 19, the Lord has your days numbered. And your inheritance shall be forever. You shall not be ashamed in the evil times and the days of famine you will not be taken under. You got to tell your entire road today, excuse me, I'm encouraging myself. Come on, tell your entire row, excuse me while I encourage myself. People ask, why do you get up there and you're jumping and nobody else is jumping? Excuse me, I'm encouraging myself. Why are you up there doing all of this? And everybody's staring. Excuse me, I'm encouraging myself. Encourage yourself get off of Facebook I'm about to delete it all I'm sick of some of y'all you're my last nerve you know who you are which camera am I on You're out there posting stuff when you should be in the house of the Lord at 1120. <laughs> Tired of it. Sometimes you got to encourage yourself. 
Because if all you do is stay on Facebook, you'll be depressed in about five minutes. You'll be depressed or you'll want to kill somebody. Let's just be honest today. Verse 8 says, So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I pursue those who just stole my legacy? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely. He didn't say, you shall, maybe. He didn't say, uh, I don't know. But he said, you will surely, definitely overtake them and without fail recover all. You need to catch this recover all timeline. It said, David inquired of the Lord. He began to pray. Some of you want to recover through your angry words. Some of y'all, whenever it's time to go into the enemy's camp, you, you, you feel that it's necessary to post your life story. And guess what? Half the people don't care. And while we are venting while we are arguing you are leaving something else unguarded and the devil gets a little deeper into your territory it's at first he inquired of the Lord he did not say hang on Lord let me tweet about it Hang on, Lord, let me see what NBC or Fox says I should do. He didn't say, hang on, let me stream Dr. Phil or Oprah. He inquired immediately of the Lord. He said, go get me an ephod. The ephod was a priestly garment. And he said, it's time to pray. It's as if he was saying, since I don't have the answer, since I don't know what to do right now, I'm depending upon a supernatural plan. Recovery begins with prayer. If you want to get back what the devil stole from you, begin with prayer. I said, if you won't really want to get back what the devil stole from you, get off of Facebook, get off of Instagram, shut yourself in a prayer closet and begin to pray. He got the ephod and sought after God. Isaiah 38, 5 says, I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears. Whew. He was saying, not only have I heard your prayers, but right now in heaven, I'm making a special note in the prayer log that you were not only praying, but you were praying through some pain. 
He said, I've taken note that it was not good when you were praying. He said, I'm making a special note in your prayer journal in heaven that not only was he praying, but he was praying through the pain. He was praying through the tears and he was saying, nothing is going to stop me. I don't know about you, but things may not go my way, but I'm not going to stop praying. I don't know about you, but even when it's hard, I'm still going to pray. I don't know about you, but when all hell is breaking loose in my life and around me, I'm still going to pray. And that's why the devil is so mad at some of you all, because you've made up your mind. Even though I can't see it yet, even though I can't smell the victory yet, I will not stop praying. I will recover it all. God said, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Pursue in Hebrew means to run after. Chase after diligently. You can't pursue with your arms crossed. You can't pursue on the sidelines. But pursue requires action from yourself. See, I can pursue God about you, but I can't pursue God for you. I can pursue God about you, but I can't pursue God for you. And I tell my kids this at least once a day. They love this word that I say. Because every morning, there's at least one of my three kids that are dragging their feet. <laughs> Come on. We're leaving at 7.15. I know. Go fix your lunch. You got two minutes. Did you brush your hair? No, why? You got two minutes. And the word I say is hustle. <laughs> I'm going to get me a coach's whistle this week. <laughs> I say hustle. Why are you walking around like that? We got two minutes. Hustle. Hustle. Do I not, child? I say hustle. Hustle. I'm in the car rider line, and they're putting on their shoes. I'm like, hustle. Get out of the car. Hustle. Because I cannot stand lagging behind. I cannot stand being late. Oh, God. Oh, you late people. Oh. Oh, I can't stand you. WWJD, what would Jesus do? If God was always on time, so shall we be on time. 
And if God is always on time, we know that demons are opposite of God. Therefore, if God is on time, I think it's demonic to be late. Hustle! Hustle! Pick up thine feet! Pack thine lunch! I say hustle. Get it going. Pick up the pace. Hustle. Hurry up. There is something that we need to get to. Hustle because because there's a timeline that we need to meet. Hustle, church, because there's a timeline that's coming. The trumpet is about hustle. Hustle. There is a harvest that cannot wait any longer. And they are looking for a church that knows how to hustle. They know how to pick up their feet and pursue the Lord. Hustle. There was a legacy that was depending upon him to pursue. Why are we doing build a legacy? Because we are pursuing a generation. We are making way for more kids to be in our kids' ministry. One day, don't hate me, nursery workers. We we won't just have one nursery class. We're going to have four nursery classes. Why? Because... We're pursuing it. We have written down the vision. We're making it plain. We are pursuing a generation because we are declaring to, to, to Satan himself, you cannot have my legacy. You cannot have my kids. You cannot have the promises of God. If you want to recover it all, You've got to get up. You've got to be in action because the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And sometimes you got to pick up the pace and say, I'm taking my joy back. I'm taking my peace back. I don't care what I've got to do. I'm going to put on my shoes today. I'm going to wash my face and I'm going to pursue God with everything. Ban, help me out. It says... You will surely overtake them. Somebody say overtake. Somebody say overtake. To overtake means to take over. I don't know about you, but there are some areas that are in my life that Satan has had his hands all over and now I'm ready to take it back over. We need to give the devil a notice this morning and let him know that the church is not dying but the church is taking over. I said we need to give hell a notice this morning. Legacy Church will not be a statistic of another church that is dying but we the church we are taking over. We will not quit. We will not be silent. We will not stop praying but we will take over. Come on, stand upon your feet.